Well, hello there and welcome back, friends, to another episode of my true crime podcast, Crime Ghoul. And I'm your host, Brittany. And as always, I'm extremely happy to be talking to you. So thank you so much for tuning in and to listening and for listening to another episode. So today's episode is going to be the second part of the Kaylee Anthony case. Mainly, I'm going to talk to you about Peacock's docuseries, Casey Anthony, Where the Truth Lies. So if you're ready to get started, we're going to jump right in, go brew yourself a cup of coffee, pour yourself a glass of wine, or perhaps take a shot of whiskey. Because as always, these true crime stories are not for the faint of heart. Thank you so much for listening. So before we dive into this peacock conundrum, I want to sum up what I talked to you about last time during part one, which if you haven't already listened, you should go do that first. But I mean, if you're very familiar with this case and you feel like you know all the information, I get it. You could just start right here because maybe you're just interested in hearing what this whole peacock situation was because obviously it had the internet going crazy and the true crime community going crazy. To sum up part one real quick, 22-year-old Casey Anthony and her three-year-old daughter Kaylee Anthony had left the Anthony residence in Orlando, Florida. They left after Casey had argued with her parents in regard to her own parenting style. So Casey and Kaylee were gone for about a month, and during that time, Kaylee's grandma and grandpa, Cindy and George Anthony, wanted to speak to and see Kaylee. Casey was always making excuses as to why they couldn't, and making excuses as to why she wasn't coming home. And Cindy and George just wanted both of them home. Their granddaughter, their daughter, they were like, come home, like enough of this, just come back. Of course, Casey was just like, not about it. So Cindy was fed up and she wanted to see Kaylee very badly. And she eventually discovered that Casey had been staying with her boyfriend at the time, Tony Lazaro. Cindy was tired of being dodged by her daughter and At this point, she didn't know what else to do. She wanted them home, so she decided to call the cops, stating that Casey had stolen her car. Now, the car was primarily used by Casey, but it was under Cindy's name. So Casey came clean to her mom and admitted that Kaylee had actually been missing for a month and was last seen with her babysitter, Zanny the Nanny. This led to additional 911 calls from Cindy, and one call stated that Casey admitted to her daughter being missing for 31 days, and that the car Casey had been driving smelt like there had been a dead body in the trunk. So, of course, alarm bells are ringing. The police are like, "Uh uh-oh, like, this is not good. So they, you know, obviously get involved, and they would keep catching Casey in lie after lie. And Casey kept leading police down rabbit holes and on a wild goose chase. And eventually she was arrested and charged with child neglect and for lying to authorities. And no one knew where Kaylee had been. And Casey kept stating that she had no idea what happened to her daughter. The last she had seen of her, she dropped her off at Zanny the Nanny's and that was it. And, you know, whatever. Zanny was like not giving her back. And she kept saying she did everything she could to get her daughter back. And she was trying to figure it out on her own. Yeah. Sketchy as hell, we know. So six months after Kaylee's disappearance, her body was found on the side of a road. And the location actually was one quarter of a mile away from the Anthony residence. By that point, the body had been completely decomposed and her bones were kind of scattered. And this was likely from animal activity. 
Casey had been charged with the murder of Kaylee, but she was found not guilty by a jury, which was shocking to the nation. And since then, no one has ever been charged for the murder of Kaylee Anthony. And to this day, we actually don't know how she died or what happened. So after all of the court hearings and the sentencing and, you know, whatever, finding that she's innocent, Casey and her defense team went into hiding for some time because they were all receiving death threats. Because the court of public opinion found Casey guilty way before she sat in front of a jury. And here's why. First, her daughter had been missing for 31 days before anybody called the police. Second, the media had published photos of Casey partying, allegedly taken while her daughter was missing. And third, she didn't appear to be grieving in the ways people expected a mother to grieve, leading people to deem her a psychopath. But in fact, an independent psychologist determined that she was not a psychopath. So this whole case is like obviously very layered and very messy. And around 2021, Casey reemerged into the public eye. She was at a bar in Florida and a woman threw a drink at her, which I'm sure this wasn't the first time, you know, this has happened. But it turned out that they were in a love triangle and they were both dating the same man who was a police officer for the local area. So yeah, craziness, drama. And in 2022, Peacock announced the docuseries called Casey Anthony, Where the Truth Lies. And people went absolutely bonkers. They're still going bonkers. They were and are still not happy. Many people believe that Casey is responsible for her daughter's death. So why did someone give Casey the platform to speak? Like, that's the question. Everybody's like, how can we support this? Like, there's somebody out there who believes, like, she really is innocent. And of course, newsflash, like, hello. A lot of people do believe that Casey is not guilty of killing her daughter, like the jury, you know, whatever. So there are people who back her, including her defense team, who is still very close to her. But of course, there's also a huge side of people who are like, nah, she's guilty. She's guilty. So Alexandra Dean is the director of the docuseries, and she states that Casey says that she has come to understand a lot after years of therapy and that she wanted to share her side of the story now. And Dean believes the investigation left many stones unturned, particularly, I can't speak, particularly when it came to Casey's father. So now, my friends, you're all caught up. We can dive into the Peacock docuseries. So what was said? Well, Casey claims that she last saw her daughter on June 16th, 2008. And she says she was at home with Kaylee and her father when she decided to nap with Kaylee in bed. And Casey mentions that Kaylee would never leave the bedroom or, you know, leave her side without talking to her first. And Casey remembers being shaken and woken up by her father. And he asked her where Kaylee was. Kaylee, I mean, Casey, of course, like woke up and was like, oh my God, she's not by my side. So she stated that she immediately started looking for her and she was outside looking for her, calling her name, what have you. And as she came back around the left side of the house, she came back towards the front front porch. Her father was standing with Kaylee in his arms and Casey recalls that her daughter was soaking wet. At this point, Casey says she still believed that her daughter was alive. So that's the picture we have, right? Okay, Casey wakes up. Because her dad is like, where's Kaylee? She's panicking. She's like, oh my God, where's my kid? Whatever. And, um, you know, she's looking around, comes back around the house and sees her father just holding Casey's body. I mean, Kaylee's body. Oh my God, it's so hard. Um, It's like tongue twisters. But he's holding little Kaylee's body. She's soaking wet. And Casey 
believes that she's still alive. And then later that day, Kaylee would go missing. Casey said that her father took Kaylee and stated that he was going to take care of it. And she didn't really know what that meant. She was beside herself. She was really upset. And, you know, he he assured her, like, listen, I'm going to take I'm going to take her. We're going to take care of this. What have you? Obviously, this all came after him like yelling at her about like how she's basically a failure of a mother and like her mom is never going to forgive her and all this stuff. So, you know, this is like a really like charged moment. If this is all true, like this whole happening, the panic, you know, feeling like she's a bad mother, not knowing what to do, whatever. And then, of course, her dad offers to take that burden off of her plate and says he's going to make it better she gives in is like, okay, sure, do it. Do whatever you need to do. I don't know. And she she claims that uh, Kaylee was alive. All right. Personally, I don't know about you guys, but my reaction is why would she let him take her daughter, right? If it was my kid, I'd be like, no, I'm taking her. Like, that's my baby. She's soaking wet. Something's not okay. I don't know what happened. I need to take care of this. I'm her mom. Like, I'm very territorial. And like, I don't have kids. So maybe I don't know. And, you know, they always say you don't know how you're going to act until like, you're in the situation. But like, if I could just imagine it, my dog, you know, my co host Kylo, my cute little French bulldog Boston Terrier mix. If something like this happened to him, And, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just using this because I don't have kids. But he is my child. If something happened to him and somebody was like, no, 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 I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to don't worry about it. No, 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 no. I'm all hands on deck. I want to take care of my baby. So for me, I'm just like, why? Why wouldn't you be like on that? You know, I don't know. Let's keep going. So during her trial, Casey's defense attorney suggested that it might have been possible that Kaylee drowned in the pool. Like, this was the big theory. But in this docuseries, Casey was like, no, I actually didn't think that was possible because the ladder was not in the pool. And she specifically remembered that. Um, They had an above ground pool and Kaylee wouldn't have been able to climb in without the ladder being in the pool. So in Casey's mind, she's like, how could she have gone in the pool if the ladder wasn't in the pool? You know, like she's she's small. There's no way she could just hop into the above ground pool. So then, you know, she's asked, well, why would the defense make this suggestion then? Like this is this is the like this is what your defense team was saying. This was the suggestion they made. And Casey said she knew it wasn't true. But her team couldn't present the jury with nothing. So they floated the idea around and they had to come up with something. Which, in my opinion, is very sketchy. Like, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just tell the truth of what you think happened? But I guess, like, there's the worry that people would think it was too far-fetched and, you know, what have you. So anyway, here we go. So, of course, Casey and her father didn't rush to call the police, which is one of the craziest things here. It's weird and it's strange. Because Casey said she didn't call the police because her father assured her that everything would be okay. Again, she didn't believe that her daughter was actually dead, and she thought that there was still a chance she was alive. So I don't know. Did she think that he was taking her to the hospital? I I have no idea. Like, this is, this is where it gets confusing, as this whole case is damn confusing. But anyway, her father's a retired detective. Why wouldn't he call the police? Like, red flag. If this is the truth, you know, you gotta wonder. 
And allegedly, he was telling Casey that her mother was never going to forgive her. She was going to go to prison for neglect and all this stuff. So could it be that he did not want his daughter to go to prison? Like, did he really believe this? Or did he know that an autopsy would be performed and he didn't want it to come out that he was sexually abusing his granddaughter? Now, this is where the whole sexual abuse allegations come into play. And if you're familiar with this case, I'm sure you kind of already know that these allegations are around. And as we all know, Casey has claimed that her father sexually abused her as a child. So if this is true, I'm sure one could say she was afraid of her father and that's why she let him take care of things. Like that could, that could be a possibility. And could her denial have been so strong that she really believed that her daughter was still alive? Could she not have been thinking rationally? You know, I do think these things are possible. And before you get all mad at me, we're gonna, we're gonna dissect this a little more, okay? So a main point of the docuseries is this sexual abuse Casey claims to have suffered at the hands of her father and even her brother Lee. And both men continue to deny these claims to this day. She details her father's alleged abuse and she says it happened when she was between the ages of 8 and 12 and said that he would come into her room at night and molest her. And if she tried to resist, he would smother her with a pillow until she was unconscious. These are some serious allegations and terrifying, okay? Terrifying. So Casey makes the point that she's had this suspicion that her father might have been doing the same thing to Kaylee, and she expressed regret for not saying anything. And this has been difficult for people to understand, but it's important to recognize that people who are abused are afraid of their abusers. So is this really that far-fetched of an idea? Not really, to be honest with you. And multiple people interviewed in the docu-series corroborated, oh my god, I cannot speak, I'm like tripping over my words, but you know, they back up Casey's claim against her father. Her former fiancé, Jesse, explained that Casey told him about allegedly being abused by her brother, Lee, and then a friend slash former cellmate, Robin Adams, and Rosalie Bolin, a mitigation specialist working on her on Casey's case in 2009, back up these allegations. And with Robin Adams, before like this really took off, you know, this case, Casey had confided in her about the abuse. So these allegations open the door to what might have happened to Kaylee and why Casey did not appear to be grieving her daughter. So Robin Adams says in the docuseries, when you have been a victim of sexual abuse, you pretend that nothing is wrong. It's the separation of the mind from the actions. And that's how Casey could show up as if she had no troubles in the world during those 31 days that Kaylee was missing. Even after she was arrested, she explains Casey believed Kaylee was still alive because her dad kept reassuring her and making her believe that Kaylee was just missing until it was reported that her body was found in December of 2008. The series also shows a video from prison of Casey sitting in a waiting area, the news is on TV, and it is announced that the body of Kaylee was found, and she explodes into tears. Some argue that she is just upset that the body was found, but Casey states that this is the first time she had a confirmation that her daughter was actually dead. Personally, it's hard to believe any of the Anthony family, in my opinion. I believe that they are a family full of liars, but I do agree with what Robin Adams stated about the separation of the mind from actions. Because as a practicing therapist, I have seen this firsthand. I also know how denial works and how a traumatized person can completely check out and dissociate in all different kinds of ways. So it might not make sense to people who are not in Casey's shoes. 
And before you come for me, I'm not saying that like I necessarily believe her. Like, I don't know. I'm a very open-minded person. I want to hear all sides of the story. When I'm listening to this, I want to be able to entertain the idea that there's a truth in it. Okay. Devil's advocate. Life is so complex and situations, people, humans, so complex. So to completely remain closed-minded and not consider certain things like would be silly. Like I'm not that kind of person. Like I have to I have to hear everything. I want all the facts from all the different parties so I could come to my own conclusion. So that's kind of what I'm doing here. I'm not trying to say like she is like innocent. She had nothing to do with it. No. I 100% know that these people are liars. Like this whole family is riddled with flaws and lies and I I have no idea. I don't even know I don't even think they know just how damaged and like warped they are. That's a whole other story. But for all intents and purposes here, I am like entertaining the idea. Like, could it be plausible? Could it be possible? Yeah, I think I really do think it could be. I'm not saying it is, but you know, I think there's a chance that this could make sense. But obviously there's a whole bunch of other things that don't make sense about this. So anyway... During the trial, Casey's brother, Lee, called Casey's defense team. He had something to tell them. And he said that when he and Casey were young and their pets would die, their father would bury the pets. And there was a striking similarity in how Kaylee's body was found and how their pets were buried. One of Casey's team members recalled Lee saying, When our family pets would die, dad would wrap the puppy in a blanket, put it in a trash bag, duct tape the trash bag, and then he would bury them. Kaylee's body was found in a similar state. She was wrapped in her Winnie the Pooh blanket from her bed and was inside of a laundry bag. There was duct tape found attached to the skull and hair. So could this duct tape have been on the bag and transferred to the skull when animals got to her remains? Possibly. Because the prosecution had the theory that the tape was placed on Kaylee's face indicating homicide, like somebody wanted to tape her mouth shut and like whatever. Some believe that Casey used chloroform to knock Kaylee out so Casey could party or live her life, whatever. Like it was a way of her like subduing Kaylee so she could go do whatever she wanted. And that Casey possibly gave her too much chloroform and accidentally killed her. So the whole idea of the duct tape is like she duct taped her mouth so she wouldn't make noise, you know, and that's how the duct tape got attached to Kaylee's hair and skull. But this couldn't be proved. That's the big thing here. There was no skin cells found on the tape, so there was no evidence suggesting that the tape had actually made contact with little Kaylee's face. So this kind of like was just washed down the drain. But looking back at what Lee said about like duct taping like the garbage bag, could it be that, you know, George Anthony duct taped the laundry bag and, you know, through, you know, it's so it's so gory to think. But, you know, with animals getting into Kaylee's remains, could this somehow have caused like the du- duct tape to get attached to the hair and the skull? Yeah, 100%. Like anything's possible. That's the theory there. Obviously, both can't really be proven, right? Like we don't have any proof of what these animals did. And we don't have any proof that the duct tape made contact with her skin. So who knows? Like the duct tape could have just been garbage that was on the side of the road and got it it got attached to her like with the animals scattering her remains we'll never know but i digress so before i continue down the rabbit hole i think it's important to discuss casey's partying and the infamous tattoo bella vita that she had done on her back 
So she had this tattoo during the 31 days. Well, she got it done within the 31 days that Kaylee had been missing. And she was seen partying, you know, during these 31 days. So we need to kind of like touch upon that. So in the docuseries, they show pictures posted of Casey partying at the bar. And Casey explains, all the photos that people see of me out in those 31 days was not partying. You don't see drinks in my hand. I was actually working. I was helping Tony promote. Her boyfriend, Tony Lazaro at the time, was a promoter. So she was saying like, you know, like I was helping him work, which I guess one could argue you're worried about your boyfriend working and helping him. But what about your kid who's missing? And then, you know, her defense is, well, I thought my dad had her. Like, I thought she was fine. So anyway, yeah, I know. Frustrating. Then as for that tattoo, Casey explains that she chose to get that tattoo, Bella Vita, Beautiful Life, to send a fuck you message to her family. She states that it was a subconscious way for me to speak out against all of it. My family my flawed and fucked up family, and my flawed and fucked up life. She explained, it was the antithesis of what my life really was. So during the trial, the prosecution used her Bella Vita tattoo as a means of painting her as a party girl with little remorse. Like, oh, she was so upset her kid was missing, but here she is getting a tattoo. Here she is partying. And in July of 2018, Casey actually covered up Bella Vita, and it's unknown what tattoo is there now. So a lot of people have hyperfixated on Casey's emotions during this time. And like I said, the court of public opinion felt that she was not acting the way she should be acting. And she was not the only one in the family who was acting strangely. And this is important to point out. And this is something like the docuseries wants you to know. So Patrick McKenna was an investigator on Casey's defense team. And he stated that George was not emotional the first time he interviewed him about Kaylee. McKenna also mentioned that as he was being introduced to Cindy and George, Cindy was too preoccupied with booking interviews with daytime television shows like The Today Show. And another man in the house was boasting about raising $27,000 for their foundation to help other parents find their missing kids, all of which took place after Kaylee's remains were found. So, you know, McKenna's saying like, okay, like they were just so caught up in doing whatever, like it really didn't seem like they cared or that they were grieving in the way they should be, but nobody wants to talk about that. But here's the thing, guys, like sometimes people grieve by staying active and by like diving into something that kind of like, you know, makes them think of something else or like makes them feel like they're contributing to something. So they don't feel hopeless. So I don't know, like, could that have been what the Anthony's were doing? Maybe. But McKenna says that he would he came back the next weekend to talk to Cindy. She came late to their meeting because they were out all day on a new bass boat that they were towing. It was in McKenna's words that he said it was totally tricked out, freshly painted with the words call 1-800-MISSING-KIDS on the side of it. And a clip shows George saying that the boat was called the SS Kaylee Marie in honor of his granddaughter. So McKenna noted that it didn't make much sense that George and Cindy bought a boat to go look for other missing kids. So, okay, like, I see what this McKenna guy is saying. Like, yeah, it does seem a little weird. And like, I don't know. I don't think they're going to look for missing kids necessarily while they're on the boat. They want other people who are out there thinking about it. Like, you know, I don't know. They're advertising. Again, I think the whole Anthony family is bizarre and weird. So the docuseries also alleges that George had an affair during the trial, which is really interesting. 
The woman he allegedly had an affair with took the stand during the trial and said that he unburdened himself to her, saying out of nowhere, it was an accident that snowballed out of control, presumably talking about Kaylee's death. So obviously very, very daunting right there. Casey also says that George made comments about Kaylee that made her very uncomfortable. In a speech during Kaylee's funeral, he described in detail the smell of her hair and how a hug from a child gets him excited like no other. It is kind of creepy. Like, I went and I, I looked for it. You could find it on YouTube really easily. And I was just like, mm, yeah, the way he's saying that is kind of weird. I don't know. Gives me like Joe Biden vibes. Don't come for me. Don't come for me. Anyway, he took the stand and remembered exactly what Kaylee was wearing the day she disappeared. But he didn't remember what Casey and his wife were wearing that day, which some people, they thought that was a little bizarre. Because if you can remember one, why can't you remember the other two? Why are you so hyper fixated on what little Kaylee was wearing? So, of course, I think this is just like grasping for straws at this point, right? You know, just trying to like incriminate George in any way. So... John Allen, who was a sergeant at the Orange County Sheriff's Office during the time of Kaylee's case, had supervised the investigation. And through the entirety of the docuseries, he is adamant about Casey's guilt. His reasons include that she lied about who had Kaylee at the time of her disappearance, and she lied about where she worked. Because if you remember in part one, Kaylee, I mean, Casey claimed she worked at Universal, which she didn't. Okay, she lied to police. So he believes that the evidence was stacked against her. And he said, I think she killed her daughter and I think she didn't want to get caught. So throughout the docuseries, the audience is presented with evidence and accusations that overwhelmingly point a finger at George, who, like I said, is a former police officer, a former detective. But in the last episode, John Allen states that he believes George had nothing to do with Kaylee's death. The interviewer then asks if George had ever lied to John Allen, to which he responds, yeah, at different points in different times. Then he adds, but being a liar doesn't make somebody a murderer. Now, this is ironic, right? Because the evidence that he claims is stacked up against Casey is the fact that she's a liar. Like, oh, she lied about where her kid had been. She lied about, um, you know, where she worked. Like, she did it. She's a liar. But obviously, George had lied to Alan at different points in different times. About what? We don't know. But that's weird. Like, okay, well, what about him? How could you not, like, have some type of suspicion if he's also a liar? Because if we can suspect that Casey is a murderer due to her, like, dishonesty and lying, why can't we do the same for George, right? So it's really, this is a really complicated case because you've got two people who lie. Which one do you believe? Exactly very, very difficult, very frustrating, which again, I think this is why this is one of the most talked about cases in the true crime community, because it's baffling and it drives you up a wall. So yeah. So since watching the Peacock series, I feel more lost about this case than ever before. And obviously this family lies a lot. I think that lying is a learned behavior. That's what I've learned over the years of studying and practicing and you know, getting to know people. I believe that Casey's upbringing and environment plays a large role in how she developed throughout her life. And I don't trust Casey, but I don't trust George either. And you know what, Cindy, you're a little sketchy too. Something, Something's up with her. Not sure what. She's probably a liar too. 
but I don't know that any of us will ever know exactly what happened to Kaylee Marie Anthony. And that is the most infuriating part of this case, because this baby girl was left to rot in the hot Florida sun, discarded like a piece of garbage, which is absolutely deplorable. And someone did it. Someone knows who did it. And whoever you are, your day of reckoning will come. So there's a really good quote about reckoning and retribution, and it comes from a television show called Revenge. I've never watched it, but this quote hits home, especially for like this case. And it goes, in every life, there comes a day of reckoning, a time when unsettled scores demand retribution and our own lies and transgressions are finally laid bare. And folks, I leave you with that. I leave you to think about that. I do believe that, you know, the truth always surfaces, no matter how hard or, you know, how badly you want to bury it, it always comes up. So in this case, I am hoping hoping that one day we find the truth, but I don't know that we ever will. So that leads us to make our own conclusion. And cases like this, oh my gosh, they really, they really pull at you because it's, you know, it's just the human mind that wants to have answers and wants to make connections and just knowing that we'll never really know is so annoying. But mainly with part one and part two, I want you all to think about Kaylee Anthony because this media frenzy really made Casey the centerfold and like the center point of this whole case and then George Anthony as well but at the end of the day we have a little girl who lost her life and was discarded so horribly and she has no justice so the only thing we could do is you know pay respect when we're listening to these stories and really think about her because she's the one who lost out here tremendously so I don't know. Do you think it was, do you think it was Casey? Do you think it was George? Definitely feel free to come talk to me. If you feel bothered by this case and you want to talk about it, let's talk. Let's, let's hear what you think. Um, your thoughts about the episodes. Let me know. I'm very curious. And one thing that I find really interesting that I didn't mention is that Casey actually lives with one of like the team members from her defense you know, her defense team, which is very interesting. Like he's adopted her into the family, like not legally, but he has brought her into his own family and loves her a lot. And they love her. And she's very close with almost all of her defense team. And it makes you wonder, like, if somebody could trust her enough to bring her around their family. Like, I don't know, that has to, it makes me wonder, like, I don't know, like, is that person who brought her in like just crazy? Or is she really trustworthy? And was she really abused in multiple, like multiple ways, more ways than one? I don't know. But the only thing we could do is make our own conclusions. And I'm always open to listening to the thoughts and ideas of other people. So feel free to come talk to me about this. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening to Kaylee's story. I hope to see you on the next episode of Crime Ghoul. So thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. Go follow me on Instagram, Crime Ghoul underscore, or you could find me over on TikTok, Crime Ghoul, I think. I think my handle's Crime Ghoul, but whatever. You type it in the search bar, you'll find me. And same with Twitter and Facebook. I'm on those platforms as well. So I'll see you guys soon. Thank you so much. And yeah, have an amazing day. Stay safe. Stay good. I'll see you next time. As always, thank you so much for listening.